Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today on the Winning Edge podcast, we're joined by one of Sydney's newest trainers, Blake Ryan. G'day, Blake. How are you? Brad, how are you, mate? Very well, mate. Thanks for coming to the show and tell us about your journey to becoming a trainer at Hawkesbury out there. Um, how long have you dreamed about becoming a trainer in your own right? Oh, a long time. You know, um, started off, you know, you're born into a dad road for 18 years and he's been training and then he was foreman for John Hawks at Epsom and he'd been training on his own since 91, I think he started, so... I was four years old then, so, um, you know, you grow up like every everybody's son, I suppose, you want to be a jockey, and then um, you get to a stage where that might not happen for you, so you work out, you've got to find a different path, and, you know, it was always going to be something in racing, and we've had a few goes at a few things, and, and, and in the end, what came back was the call of the horse itself, so um, I sat down about, you know, six or seven years ago, and... Um, decided that this is what we wanted to do and have a had a real good red hot go at it um so how long did the dreams of being a jockey go on for oh for a very long time um but it's probably it was evident about 15 16 i was going to be too big yeah so um they went by the wayside and i was in broadcasting side and did seven years of tvn and then uh decided i missed the horses and went back to there and then rode and got my weight down and uh, got down to about 58 and a half and, and then took out my amateur licence and I uh, rode around the picnics in New South Wales for a couple of years and we had 150 odd rides and rode 30 or 40 winners so had a, had a good couple of years. It was good learning experience actually and taught you a lot. Taught you a lot about even the training side like when a jockey comes back in and wants to tell you something you you know what they're talking about now more than just having to watch the race. You know? yep. so, you can tell if they're experience. bullshitting you as well. Yeah, 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 but no, they're, they're still too good for me sometimes. <laughs> what do you remember as a kid from those early days of um, what formed your love of racing? Oh, I'm, I just, I love the whole sport of it. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up, we had, I think, the 89 90 racing new video, I think I wore it out. We used to come out <laughs> from school every day and watch that. Yeah, it was Elmerad, Stylish Century, Bay Road, Tristan Art, Superimposed, Better Loose and Art, all excited. I could go on for days. We had, I think we had from 89, 90 to 94, 95, they had all those videos and they were just on repeat constantly. And, and you're getting around the stables and Dad had some good, was lucky enough to get some good horses early on. And, and so as a five, six, seven year old, you, you, you go down, there's group one horses around the place. And, and when you go into the races, you go with the runners in group ones and for beginnings and stuff like that. And, and um, you know, I always wanted to, yeah, there was no other no other avenue for me really and I'm really happy to have risen because I couldn't imagine <laughs> myself doing anything else and I'm a big fan of jumps racing as well and always loved that and probably you know, going there in the first race in the winter was always always a jumps and a lot and families from um, Western Districts of Victoria so aunties and uncles at Warnable so that's that's um, heavily ingrained in us as well yep so you've had a lot of different roles I mean you've been a producer at TVN you've been a jockey um 
that diversity of roles in the industry must be a big help in what you're doing now as a trainer? Well, it is. It, it sort of, they teach you different things. Um, obviously, there's the horse side you need to do, but you need to be able to talk to people and, and, and work with, as a team with people. And being in production gave us a really good um, you know, grounding in that and lucky enough to work with, you know, who I think of um, some of the best racing and sporting television minds in the country from... And a lot of those guys that were around in TVN days, they came from the Packer days at nine. So, um, you know, they learnt, you, they taught you the, the old school way of things and, and taught you a lot. And, and it, it just wasn't about turning up and doing your job. It was about going that extra step. And, you know, I'm forever grateful. And most of them have even got a couple of them in a horse with us. So, That's um, handy. Yeah, it was handy too. So, um, no, it's, it's just a great experience and I reckon you know different roles they teach you different things and you take little bits of everything and and bring it into what you're doing so how, how long did you work with your dad Gerald for um and what kind of roles did you have with him oh yeah we all, always ran the place with dad you know following him around as a little kid and um you know started on a few pre-trainers out the farm when I was nine or ten which I don't think you can probably do these days but um you know I think first or seven row track with my duke and I think he's he, two-year-old in 96 and he's um he's still going actually he's alive and got the gold coast michael carl and maxine carl have got him and um so then it was obviously you know left school i was a bit of a not a great student and um dad sort of got to 15 i was sort of 15 and it was either it was either keep going at school or go to sydney and work for me because i've just got 40 boxes at rose hill and he's leading trainer in queensland at the time and so um jumped on a plane, thought it was a great idea, just started, lasted there 12 months, decided it wasn't for me, went back, lasted there three months and went back to Sydney again and um, and then sort of worked for Timmy Martin and did a little bit of stint with Chris Waller and, and wrote a bit of work for Kim Moore and Alan and Jack Denham while I was there and, and then I was a bit lost for a while and found that's when TVN came along and it really straightened me up and gave me a bit of focus and so I was out of the stable for six, seven years and then um, more in the sort of media side of it and, and then decided I was, I was went for a holiday by myself to Europe in end of 2011 and decided that I didn't miss work, all I missed was the horses. So when I came back, I gave notice there and, and started riding work again and that's when I got my picnic license out. I've been with that ever since until uh, Christmas Eve, just gone. Yep. Um Pretty impressive list of, list of trainers you've been with. Um, a big list of talented horses you've in, been involved with too. What are some of the best ones? Oh, I think, you know, going back, I was lucky enough to be at Tim Martin's when he had Exceed and Excel. And um, he's, he's probably, like, score on the board and what he's done, he's, he's probably the best horse I've sat on. Yep. Um, you know, trapeze artist, nice hat. Uh, you know, he's, but talent-wise, talent-wise, I'd rate Minari. Even though he didn't scale great heights on the racetrack, he was, you know, Mr. Grip 3 winner, but his natural talent, I'd put him right up there with Exceed and Excel. Yeah. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to, some of the horses, when you go to Rubik, you, know, you take Rubik to Melbourne, you ride a bit of work for, you know, you stay with folks like Kieran Maher and Mick Price and, and the McDonald family, and you ride a bit of work for them because you've only got a couple yourself, and, and, uh, and vice versa, they come up, and, you know, lucky enough, before Kieran had a Sydney stable as Cadelia and Shakandi and, 
and Mr. O'Kira and they stayed with us and I was galloping those horses for them and Nick Cross will see book up and and you know, so not just the horses dads had and and, and people I've worked for but just visitors staying and having a, you know, they need someone to get on and gallop one morning and or go with them even and, and you've had um you know, you get lucky enough to throw your leg over some real carnival horses and it's um it gives you a good guide to where your owner at too. So it's um, no very long list of you know good horses, no absolute champions, but but very very good Group One horses, and I've been lucky enough to to get a leg over. A couple of very nice stallions there now, um, exceeding Excel and uh, Rubik, and also got Trapeze Artists at stud now too. How's he going out there? Yeah, um, the guys at Widden, um they're really happy with his foals, and and they reckon he's an absolute jet in the barn. So walks in, serves him, gets the job done, fertility's right up there and in what like he was when he was in work, he's a laid back woman yep. of a horse and um, he used to until he worked him out, he knew what his pattern was and he was never a great track worker. He worked okay, but he was never he never gave a, a super feel. But when you worked out what his level of good was, then you could know where he was at in prep and yep. dad did a great job with him, you know, he, he used, a lot of people sort of didn't rate the horse because he at the time, because he, he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't winning six seven in a row, but he's a real grand final horse, and he took a yeah, lot of good hit. Yeah, yep. when he was right and the shades were on, he was, and when he was rock hard fit, he's bloody hard off the beat. Pretty quirky horse, though, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He had his he had his um he had his moments, um, but he's no, he's generally pretty good. It's just been a lot quirkier than him. So. <laughs> What's the quirkiest you've had? Oh, with a lot of ability, I'd say Hot Snitzel. Yep. Um, I remember his first start, he tried to, 50 yards out, he was three in front and tried to jump the inside fence on Corey Brown, then he went to the nursery, second start, National Willow, he missed a kick, five, refused to go, stormed down the outside, got better length and a half, then he got gelded, and then he, I think Ray Murray made that gelding. <laughs> he, um, he went to Queensland, he won the Kenny Russell and ducked out the 1800 metre shoot after the line, then then he won the size up there. He's, he was a really quirky horse. And he lovable horse, though. Yeah. Road issue. He used to carry around. He used to sound like Darth Vader and stand around in the morning <laughs> looking up at the stars. And I think here he came and rode him one morning track work. And he said, I think he's the most overachieving horse I've ever sat on. <laughs> so I don't know whether it was a rap or not. But he, yeah, um, yeah, no, sure. he, he was a quirky horse, but he only passed away not long ago, actually, sadly. But um, he's also had a lot of time for. Well, hopefully you don't have too many like him in the in the stables in your first year. I'll take 10 of them. So. <laughs> well, I guess if you have that talent, then you know, you'd definitely take them. Um, so what were some of the most memorable wins you've had, you've been involved in with horses? Oh, just some of them, you know, with, with dad, you know, there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes, like, uh, like a horse called Washington Heights, he came back from, you know, not many do what he did. He, he went to Hong Kong and, Run, I think he ran second in the San Domenico, second in the kindergarten, the hallowed crown, and, and he was he went to Hong Kong and he won two out of his first store there and looked like being a superstar there and broke down and he came back and not many come back and we won first up with him at at Rose Hill and that was oh, I think it's I think Rafael David Rafael was crying, I was crying and Dad was slapping us around the back of the head telling us to pull our heads in. But um <laughs> you no know, some of those are not your biggest group one wins, but they're the one. Some of them that mean the most because of the backstory to them and how much yep. work goes into them. And Hard he was work. unsound horse, and and he was right, and 
Um, uh, just there's a few like that Angel in there, like Angela Mercy, who just got beaten in a attached tiara, and she's another filly that's, you know, had a lot to do with her. She had thin sold feet, and she couldn't handle wet tracks, and was always sterling, and was always always icing her feet. And, um, and Kimmy Bell won a Little Mare's Cup in Brisbane with her when we took her up there. So we got to travel with them too. So you get a, you get to know them a lot better when there's, you know, you go from your inner team of 75 and then you take the carnival horses away and there's two of you with five or six and you get that's when you start to really um bond with them and yeah and you get to know little things about them and, and they're, the, they're the special ones you know the i guess on the ones that challenge you the most are the ones which are most re rewarding when they um put it all together yeah they are yeah they are you know the ones you work you know good horses are great and, and you wish you have one walking in the door every day but um, sometimes you get a little bit more satisfaction out of the ones that took that bit more work to get there, you know? Yep, yep. Um, so tell us about um, Blake Ryan Racing. I know you, you were involved in ready-to-run sales and getting horses prepared for there um, in the last couple of years. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, decided, uh, some four years of it, and decided that I think I was 30, turning 31, and, and I wanted to do something for myself. Um, didn't want to be you know, in your 30s and still be you know, poking around in the background. So I wanted to do something for myself. And this, that was a way to get into getting your name out there and, and, and giving yourself something to do. And, and English were very supportive of um, allowing me to, to operate. And, you know, they, they've been a great help every year. And um, so they, they, they backed me to buy a couple of horses to trade and... and you know, it, it took off from there, started with two and uh, then two other clients gave us horses to, or two other clients and dads gave us two to prepare. So we took four there the first year and then last year we had 20 in the catalogue. So it just grew and grew and, and you know, I enjoy doing it. And, and it's also, it was also a way to, to get an avenue and to improve and get some scope in life, you know. What's the process around getting horses ready for those sales? Is it be pretty complex, I'd, I'd imagine? Well, there's not a not a great deal of difference between just training a two-year-old. I don't yep. think and that's not that's the way I look at it. Is I think you can overthink things a little bit. You just you you buy a horse that's probably going to be. The, I think it starts at that. You've got to be buying the right type of horse that's going to be, even though they might not have to be super super early two-year-olds, but they've got to be able to. You know, they can't be your, your ones that are going to take three years and need mile and a half even though there has been some um, there's some exceptions to that of course but uh, i think the main thing is just just treating them as any other horse and, and i think you, you can you can overdo it a little bit if, if you try and make them do things before they're ready but and most of the times if they're built and bred to be ready on that day they'll get there eventually and you don't have to push them too far you know so it, it's all about just treating the horse as an individual and and you know, they have two, three preps, and then and then the last preps um, usually the third prep, and it's six, seven weeks to that day, and you just got to keep them balanced and and keep them sound and happy, and and if all that goes to plan, well then you you're a chance of getting a result if the market likes it. Have you had any really decent ones which have gone on to produce on the race track? Uh, had a lot of winners. Um, haven't had a group winner yet. Um, a horse in Singapore actually, Hello Crown, also sold the 
35,000 two years ago is an absolute steal. Um, his name's Relentless. He's uh, heading towards the, the Guineas races over there. He won, I think he won two weeks ago. And he grew up at a Toronado horse first year. He's he's won four or five over there. There's um, Resolution and and Paul Masara's got a handy one called Temple One that um, he's still maturing and getting there. And you know we've had I think we've had out of the twelve from last year, uh, twenty nineteen, I think over eight of the races to seven winners. So they're they're doing the job and they haven't been ridiculous prices. You know we buy them. We buy them to trade, and so what they make, they make. You know, if um, you, you you buying them, the mantra is you buying them to get them ready to sell on that day. So you have got to stick to it. Yep. Right? So I don't think I don't think people um want to back the concept otherwise. And that translates pretty pretty smoothly to um buying horses for your own stable now. Yeah, well, we sort of kicked off. You obviously the Australian market built on speed and 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 two-year-old success, so. Going there and buying, um, that is probably what we're looking at. But you know, you just want to go and buy a horse. You want to train. Simple as that. If you like a horse, you like a horse. And um, if all the other boxes tick themselves, then then you probably someone like me is probably not going to afford them. To be honest. Yeah. And, um, then we're going to find owners for them. But you know, we, we bought a couple of nice ones at Magic's the other week and called Deep Field Philly. I think there's ninety percent gone in her. Um, and they bought a pariah colt that I loved, and um, there was plenty, I think it's 60 or 70% left in her, but uh, in him, sorry. But, you know, you're going there and just buying a horse you want to train, and at, at this early stage, it's, it's as hard as it is. You, you need stock, but you put your head in the noose, sort of trying to get them, and especially it's hard, it's, it is a bit hard as a young trainer to attract people to invest good money in you when you haven't even had a run in it. So that's yep. um, so also trying to we put a mare online um, while I was at the Gold Coast actually, a few mates found her and, and they came in and organised that. And um, So we need a couple of horses to get to the track, you know. So um, yep. hopefully in eight or ten weeks we'll um, kick off with our first runner and hopefully that can generate and she can hopefully he or she, whichever one it is of the pair gets to the races, can win a race for us and generate some interest. How many stables have you got now, and how many horses have you got? Uh, we've got a dozen boxes here. We've um, uh, got six in work at the moment, which is enough because I'm doing it all myself at this point. Are you um, riding work yourself as well? Riding work yourselves, feeding them, mucking out, everything, hosing, everything, one-man band at the moment. <laughs> um, oh, with my wife. Keep me busy. Yeah, she, she's got the kids, Jess, so she's a great horsewoman in her own right. And she rode for Australia, three-day eventing, and... Um, so she's a great sounding board as well, and um, so when she, when she can, she comes and helps us as well, mainly in the afternoons. But um, you know, we've got six looking to grow, and we'll grow once we get some uh, get a couple more horses in, and and keep uh, just doing a couple of little things around the place, putting our own little touch on it. So when they're all ready to go, then we'll be looking to fill them right up. You know, so um, good number to start, but we do need to grow it because you do need to be out there and and in people's faces consistently to, to generate growth, you know. Yep. When was your first day as a trainer? Uh, officially was uh, Monday, uh, day before Australia Day. So okay. yep. um, that was we had everything in and got back from the Gold Coast and, and got the stewards around last Thursday. To, they kicked everything off and said, you, 
use your license. Um, you can bring horses into work. So we brought four in on Monday, and then another another two came on Tuesday, and and so Monday is the first official day. It was it was good, you know, instead of being on a on a shovel on a wheelbarrow with uh with road base and and stuff like that and it was good to just get in and get your hands in a bag of oats and make a feed and then put a bridle on one the next morning and get on and go out and and have a burn around so yep. um you know it was good good to kick off good feeling so tell us about uh hawkesbury where you train out of, out of um what's it like out there as a training base it's great it's improved a lot actually like i was out here four or five years ago for 18 months with Dad's second stable when Platinum Park opened up and and that was his sort of pre-training and satellite that we had um, there like Solicit raced out of here, she won the Darling Crown out of there yep. and uh, she was our first runner there and um, Estonian Princess and and the ones that just sort of needed a change away from town and um, so we brought them out here, it's a bit more, it's more semi-rural while it's still, you know, you're 35 minutes from Rose Hill, you're 45 from Warwick Farm and it's um you know while well, it's still being close enough to town you semi-rural that you, you could give you know, um give them something different and and since then going away and coming back since then the poly track's gone in and there's been improvements and the grass is better and the course proper looks magnificent um uh, and so it's really improving there's a, another trainer's hut out in the middle now there's been updates to the grandstand and so the clubs the clubs doing a good job and and the way sydney's growing um the housing estates and everything that's growing uh, popping up in this area um you could really see um this club growing to perhaps even the next metropolitan track i don't know what the plans are but if they, if they yep. wanted to pick one this could be it yep all right um any goals the short term or long term anything set in stone which you want to achieve in the coming years or just winners, poke along you train winners and you train enough winners you'll get a good horse somewhere and you get yep. a good horse then you'll win a good race so um first things first as henry field from newgate always said to me just put your head down and keep your foot on the gas baggy so yep um no, no shortage of hard work for you nah nah hard work never hurt anyway so. yep Awesome, mate. Well, um, great to catch up, and we'll have to catch up when you have a few runners on the track um, in the coming months. So all the best, mate, and uh, thanks a lot for joining us. No worries, Brad. Thanks, mate. Any At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com. Look at our membership options, make your choice, and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments.